Hello baseball fans and welcome to Sully Baseball Daily, the podcast we talk about baseball 365 days a year, unless it's a leap year and then we're going to do another one. I've been doing this every single day since October 24th, 2012. And I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording this from a Sully Baseball studio in Palo Alto, California, the birthplace of Oakland A's manager, Bob Melvin, and just down the 101 from AT&T Park, the home of the San Francisco Giants. Hey, what day is it? Not the date, the day. What day is it? It's Sunday. And that means what, folks? It means it's time for the Sunday request. Now, I have a Sunday request. I think I've done one from this fellow before. I can't remember. you got to forgive me. We've done well over 1,300 episodes of this, and it's not Cubs fan with an 8. It's Ryan Brooks. Ryan Brooks, 26 is his Twitter handle. I'll put it up there on sullybaseball.wordpress.com. You can also see it on mlbreports.com, who also post my podcast, including the one you are currently listening in your earbuds. He says, Sully Baseball. What further changes should be made to the game of baseball in order to appeal to younger generations more? Sunday request. Well, you know, I'm going to go over old territory a little bit now. I'm gonna, there's some of these things I have already mentioned on the podcast. So if you've listened to every single one of the 1,300 episodes, uh, forgive me, I'm going to repeat myself. That tends to happen when you pass 1,000. But I'm going to funnel it into this specific request because maybe not everyone was sitting there listening to my every word in 2013. There are some things baseball can do. There are some things baseball has already done, and there are some things that baseball has implemented that they should act on a little more to make it more appealing to young fans. I will say that there's the things that will always come up is the need to speed up the pace of the game. There are things that you can do to speed up the pace of the game uh, that would require cutting back on ad time, that would require doing things like, hey, let's have a, I have no problem, I have zero problem having a time limit between pitches. None. Zilt. Zero. I have no problem that there, that if a catcher wants to run out and say something to the pitcher, he only has, all right, you got 30 seconds, run up there. Hey, uh, yeah, I'm going to throw this out. Okay, run, run him back. I have no problem with that. I have no problem with if a batter steps out of the box, the only way he can, you know, call time is, you know, I don't know if, it's a, if a moth flies in his nose or something where, like, no, I seriously need time. Not like, ah, you know what, I'm just going to, you know, adjust my glove here. No, no, speed, keep that moving. I also, if you want to cut 30 seconds off of the time on the, uh, between commercials, you know, between innings, I have no problem with that either. Uh, You know, right there, I mean, I could probably chop off 20 minutes off of a game time right there. Now, I, I will say this. I'm going to bring, I'm going to go to a strange analogy here, so you've got to bear with me for a second. I remember when I was living in New York City, there was a theater called the Worldwide Theater. It was on 50th and 8th, and they showed cheap movies. They were, so they were second run. They were films that had already made it, they had already been released, they were out for maybe, you know, three or four weeks or a couple of months, and 
you could go in and pay two bucks or three bucks and go see a movie. And, you know, a lot of times like, oh, that movie looks good, but, you know, I'm gonna, it became part of the, the lexicon where we said, you know, I'm going to wait for it to come to the worldwide. And they started showing, you know, they started showing before the movies. Oh, this gets back to baseball. I'm like, don't worry, this is all ties in. Before the movies, they would show things like commercials. This was before this became the norm. They would show commercials, and they would show like Coca-Cola commercials and car commercials. And at first, I used to get upset by that, but then I realized, hey, wait a minute. If these advertisers makes it possible for me to see a two or three dollar movie, then fine. I will sit and watch the commercial before the before the movie. As long as you don't interrupt the movie, that's fine. Which makes me realize I am not a hundred percent against the idea of a patch or some sort of advertise on the sleeve, so if so do it tastefully, on the sleeve, on the side of the cap. If that patch is from a sponsor and they make up the ad revenue lost in cutting 30 seconds between the game is it worth having a fat you know the patch on the hat is that worth a faster game i think the younger generation doesn't give two craps if they have a patch on the hat the younger generation isn't saying oh i'm hearkening back to the days of grover cleveland alexander no I'm not saying have them come up looking like a NASCAR driver, but kids today have been raised on things like NASCAR drivers and, and commercials and sponsors. They're not going to care. They're absolutely not going to care. I don't care if you have a little box on the side of the screen that constantly has a rotating advertisement, if that's going to keep the game moving. Because do you know what? I'm watching the game, and there's enough shit on the screen anyway between out-of-town scoreboards, this stat, that stat, this person talking here, this person talking there. That if you have a 7-Up and Honda commercial going on in the corner, do you want my eye will go to that? And do you want kids know how to do that too? Kids have grown up with all sorts of windows going on on the screen. My kids play the damn Xbox. There's like five screens going on at the same time there. It looks like the opening of the goddamn Brady Bunch. And they can tell you what's happening on each thing. So understand, if you are going to speed up the game, and it means putting a patch on the damn hat and put a little thing on the corner of the thing there, and every little thing has to have a, you know, that ball too was sponsored by Michelob. Okay. But we're speeding up the game. I'm fine with that. Baseball has always been about money. Baseball has always been a business. So if the business of baseball, if you're going to say the business of baseball is what makes the games longer, which is true. The longer the game goes on, the more ads they shove in, the more revenue they make. But if you're trying to appeal someone with a faster, leaner game, you have to find the ways to get that revenue back. I'll get back to that in a second. Now, one thing I think that they could do, and I've said this before, but you know, tie it into this. Tie it into what Ryan asked me. Go to Little Leagues. There are so many Little Leagues across this country. Major League Baseball has to go to every damn Little League. And they have to supply 
the uniforms and the hats. Why would they do that? How is it that they're, why, why should they give away their products? Shut up. If you even thought that, shut up. Because you're wrong. You haven't thought it through. Yes, baseball should provide it. Yes, baseball should be paying for it. Give them t-shirts. I'm talking about t-shirts and hats. I'm not talking about dress. I'm not even supplying gloves or bats and balls, even though that's not such a bad idea. Because I've seen the difference between kids wearing Little League uniforms that look like baseball uniforms, like, you know, where it says A's or Mets or Pirates or Dodgers across their chest, and Little League uniforms where it has the town name across the chest. And my kids have done Little League with both. When they're walking around in their Mets uniform, they look like they're members of the Mets. When they're walking around with Pasadena on their chest, it doesn't, they don't look like Major League players. They look like they're stuck in their little town. Give the kids a chance to visualize themselves as players. Baseball is the single greatest game for kids to play. I'm not just saying that because I'm a baseball fan. I've said this on the podcast before. It beats the hell out of soccer. It beats the hell out of hockey. It beats the hell out of pop or football or water polo or whatever you want. Because every kid, no matter if they're a budding star or eating boogers in right field, gets a chance to be at the plate with their bat facing pitching or a tee or whatever the hell it is. And because of that, they can participate. They get a chance. If you said, hey, how do you do today? In soccer, you can wander up and down the field. The ball never get kicked to you. In hockey, no one could pass the puck to you. In basketball, no one could pass the ball to you. In baseball, you get your turn at plate. And if you have a uniform, you go up there, you look like a member of the Dodgers, you look like a member of the Angels, you look like a member of the Red Sox or the Yankees or the Mets, and you're in the uniform, I look the part, and you turn on the TV and you see people doing the same thing, you put that seed in their mind. I'm talking, I'm inceptioning this shit. I'm being Leonardo DiCaprio getting into their subconscious and putting it in there, putting in that little thing and spinning the damn top. Because that is one of the ways you get younger generations into it, is you put that fantasy in their brain. I'm not just wearing a uniform that says Erie, Pennsylvania across the chest. I'm wearing Cincinnati Reds. I'm wearing Blue Jays. I'm wearing Phillies or whatever team it is. And they turn on the TV and they see, ah, there's someone Wearing the same uniform. I remember when I the boys played my boys played for the Mets in their team, and I turned on the game, and there was a it was a Mets game, and my son Aiden said, They're wearing my hat. And they watched it. My cousin Jack is a Mets fan. Do you know why he's a Mets fan? Because he was on the Mets team in Little League. Not because he was born and raised in Queens. He's being raised here in the Bay Area. But he's stuck by the Mets. You could find all sorts of allegiances if you have people wearing these uniforms and looking like the ballplayers. You don't believe me? I can tell you tons of stories of people who grew up a football fan 
of a team in a city that they've never stepped foot in. I know people, oh, I'm a big Green Bay fan. You're, you're from Texas. Oh, I'm a big Pittsburgh fan. You're from Delaware. What the hell? Oh, I'm a Raiders fan. You're from Florida. It's because, and at one point, I identified with the Washington Redskins because I'm racist. No. Because someone bought me a Washington Redskins jersey when I was a kid. NFL figured this crap out decades ago. Put the thing on, you fantasize, hey, I'm a member of the team. And it makes you want to be part of it. It's not that hard a concept to understand. And it's not that expensive to say, hey, if we go around the country, inner city, rural, Native American reservation, wherever you have a little league team, maybe not hand out Indians uniforms in the reservation. And you put that thought of, hey, look at me. I look like a ball player. I can play. This is great. Put that fantasy in their head. Have them play that out. And then trust the game. Notice I say trust the game. People have been predicting baseball's demise for generations. There were those who thought it was going to be dead after the White Sox threw the World Series. There were whole articles written about how baseball is dead and will never recover throughout the late 50s and through the 1960s. Baseball was declared dead in the 1990s. Baseball is being declared dead now. And yet it keeps going on. Keeps going on. I meet kids who are big, huge Red, Red Sox fans, big, huge Dodger fans, big, huge Giant fans. It's still there. Trust the game. Put the fantasy of playing in the kids' heads and then let them participate in it and then watch it and observe it and be a part of it. And put it on places where they can see. I've talked about this to death. But the idea of a blacking out of the local game is so asinine and runs so contra from the supposed desire to attract young viewers. How do we get young viewers? Well, they're not watching TV, they're watching devices. So make And chances are, their team that they're most interested in are the local team, so don't black out the local game so they can watch them easily on their devices. Well, but then we lose on this and this and this. Then don't tell me you want young viewers. You are, you know... You know, you're losing out on where the eyeballs are. Well, you know, if you download this and you upload that, no, 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 no. You don't make it harder. You make it easier. If it takes two steps, do you know what? They've moved on to Netflix. They've moved on to Amazon Video. They've moved on to all other things that they can watch. They've moved on to YouTube. They're not going to sit down and watch stuff on television. They're cord cutters. If you're a cord cutter... They say, well, I can't watch my local team. And if they're not a huge baseball fan, then guess what? They've already moved on. So the notion of blacking out where the young eyeballs are, that's the easiest thing in the world. Get young kids interested in the game. Get young kids interested in wanting to be a major league player. I've used this analogy before, and I'll use it again right now. 
You can't grow up to be a Jedi. You can't grow up to be Indiana Jones. You can't grow up to be Captain America. But you can put on those costumes and pretend to be them. You can grow up to be a major league player. You put on that costume. It's like handing out Iron Man costumes or Spider-Man costumes or Batman costumes. You're putting in that fantasy. Absolutely you are. And give them the chance to fantasize about being a player and watching the team. As I made the, the analogy with my cousin Jack, he became a Mets fan. And because of things like MLB.com, you can watch out-of-town games and follow games in ways that you could never do just a generation ago. You make it easy for young people to want to be a baseball fan. You make it easy for them to watch the baseball games. And you make the games fast, lean, and fun, and you use the Internet. Because that's where they're going. You use the Internet to find ways to watch multiple games, interact, post tweets, do all this other stuff, because that's how people are interacting and following games. You know, in my day, in your day what? Your day is done. There used to be times that you had to follow the game by newspaper, follow the game by, by poking your, you know, looking through the little knot hole in the wall. Well, those days are gone. They'll never come back. So you have to adjust how people are watching the game. The device, the iPhone, the, the tablet, is the little hole in the knot, the knot hole of the, outside the ballpark. So you get kids interested in it by wanting to be a player and wanting to participate in it. You have to sometimes get down to the subatomic level and say, when would it start? Don't talk to me about trying to change things in midstream. How do we get it so it starts? We start getting interested in baseball at a young age. And I'll tell you another thing. I understand splitting baseball and softball between the girls and the boys. I really do. And I understand the advantage of having softball. And I understand the advantage of having a league where the girls can play and participate and do very well. I get it. I'm not pretending it doesn't have a place. But give them an option. Because eventually, half of the population of the country is basically being shut out of that fantasy. Half of the potential customers are being left out. Half of the people who could be wearing the Pirates, the Phillies, the Giants, wherever, are being denied that fantasy. Now, will there be more males than females making it? I don't know, probably. But this isn't professional football. This isn't professional basketball. This is a sport where you can excel. Different people with different types of bodies and different physical abilities can excel. Randy Johnson and Jose Altuve. There's about a foot and a half difference between those two people. You could, you could be a string bean like Chris Sale, or you could be the Michelin man like Bartolo Colon. All sorts of physical types 
can succeed in the game of baseball. A skinny kid like Ted Williams and a big tub of goo like Babe Ruth are the two the two offensive figures that people point to the most as the gold standard. And so maybe at that subatomic level, you open the door a little more to half the country's population. I think most of them would turn to softball. I truly do. But not all. And I think that seeing a woman succeed in the game of baseball, oh, it will piss off some people. Do you know why? Because there's always jerks out there. And the people who will piss off are the same people who would have been pissed off in 1947 when Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier. So you don't, you don't need to worry about them. They're just jerks. Go after yourself. But if you look up and say, okay, I always wanted to be a baseball player since I was a kid and I put on that uniform. I always watched the games. They were available to watch. And they were available to watch on the device that I was already using in a manner in which I use it. And then I never would have had a chance before, but now I do. And there's someone I could look to who looks like me, who had the same story as me. And maybe that could be me. And if you don't get to that point, then at least you've enjoyed the ride and start to enjoy the game. Because do you know what? If we have trust in the game, we trust that the game's a good game that survived all these times a priest has been over and given in its last rites. It keeps surviving because the game itself is good. And so basically adapt how it is delivered, not what is delivered. And don't, and I, as I said before, don't do stupid crap. Like, hey, we're going to do a rock and roll show. And, hey, we're going to invite all these TV stars. And we're going to do fun segments. No one gives a shit about any of that. Any of that. That won't create one new fan. Not one fan is going to look up and say, hey, that pop song was pretty cool. I think I'll follow the Brewers. That will never happen. I will cannonball into a swimming pool filled with tarantulas before that happens. Trust the game. Find out how they're watching the game, what they're doing to watch the game, and what stimulates them during the game. It's not that complicated to realize that the game itself is the appeal. The game itself is fun. The game itself has survived and endured. So just adapt. It's always adapted. I guarantee you, there were people saying, baseball on TV, Jesus, that's going to kill the game. Baseball on radio, that's going to kill the game. Baseball covered in the newspapers, that's going to kill the game. Baseball being played on Sunday, that's going to kill the game. Baseball what? What is it? Have you noticed a pattern? You've always been wrong. Baseball has adapted, but the game is there. Trust it, open it up, and figure out, hey, instead of having us fig trying to force it down kids' throats, 
Let's figure out how those kids are eating, and maybe they'll feed themselves. So, Ryan Brooks, I hope I did my best to answer your question. I actually did not expect to make that many Inception references. Uh, go to MLBReports.com to check out the latest updates and who owned baseball. If you have something you want me to do on the Sunday request, send it to me via Twitter at Sully Baseball. Go to SullyBaseball.wordpress.com. Like me on Facebook. Subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram. I'm everywhere. The music is by Ted Thacker, and it's also by Patrick Kaliski. This has been the Sully Baseball Daily Podcast Sunday Request, and I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. Thank you.